and stream, every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my only aim, is that you reign in me again. Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Over every thought, over every word, may my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. Because you mean more to me than any earthly thing. So won't you reign in me? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Sing aloud to God, let the people shout before his throne. Hallelujah, sing aloud to God, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord from the ends of the earth. From the depths of the sea, the of the sea let all creation praise His name. From the ends of the earth, from the, ends of the, earth, from the depths of the sea, the of the sea let all creation praise His name. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah. Unto the Lord. From the rising of the sun till the sun goes down, let the name of the Lord be praised. We're gathered to worship. We're gathered to worship. Becoming a choir to sing your praise. Lifting our voices. Lifting our voices. Joining our hearts in this house today. People of God, people of God, in the power of God, in the power of God, for the kingdom of God. To God we sing from the rising of the sun till the sun goes down. Let the name of the Lord be praised. From the rising of the sun till the sun goes down. Let the name of the Lord be praised. From the sky to the depths, from the To go out, to, go out. to cities and towns, we'll take your name into the nations, nation. shining your light in the darkest place. People of God, people of God, in the come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. 
Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture. And she Good morning. Welcome to Preston Crest. We are blessed to be able to worship our Father this morning, and uh, we really appreciate your presence, whether you're here in person or worshiping with us virtually. If you're visiting with us, we hope that you'll give us a chance to meet you before the end of service. And as, as we do each week, we ask members and returning visitors to please register your attendance, whether you are online or in person, or in, uh, worshiping online, at um, texting the word check-in to 469-476-5331. The elders also want to encourage each member to continue the 40 days of prayer seeking the wisdom of God over the calling out points that were made at our 50th anniversary worship and celebration from now until May 5th. These calling out points are on the screen as well as in your bulletin. Our call to worship scripture comes from Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which prepared, God prepared in advance for us to do. Please bow with me. Father, we're just so thankful to be called your children. We're so thankful for being acknowledged as your handiwork, Father, may we realize that you created each and every one of us. Father, we just pray that we'll have that spirit of servanthood that your son totally displayed to us through his example. Father, we're just so thankful for the grace, that gift that you've given us that we get by faith. And we just pray that we will honor that every day we live and realize that we are not saved other than through you and the blood of your, Jesus, of your son, Jesus. Father, we're so thankful for this family that meets here at Preston Crest. 
for the encouragement, for the love and the support we give each other, Father, as we try to do this thing called life together. We're so thankful for the family units. We're thankful for each individual minister, uh, uh, member, for the children, and just for all those, Father, who are here to serve you. Father, we're just again thankful for the way you love us. Father, we just pray for those who need you at this time, whether they're dealing with health issues, financial issues, whether they're desolate, they're lonely, or just in need, Father, of encouragement. We just pray that your peace will abide. Again, Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who makes all this possible, and we honor and praise you through his name. Amen. So this morning is a special day in the life of our church. Each year, we honor our graduating high school seniors. This is our opportunity to say as a church how much we love and appreciate each of them. And not simply say goodbye, but rather to encourage them as they move on to the next chapter of their lives. It's our prayer that their faith will be strong and apparent wherever they go, and that Jesus will be the Lord of their life, not just of high school, not only of college, but the Lord of a lifetime. We are so thankful for the deep commitment to, for their deep commitment to follow Christ and for all those who have poured into them, including their parents, families, friends, this community at Preston Crest, their small group leaders, as well as the great PCYG leadership under Brian Borden, Aaron Fowry, and Kelly Wilkinson. This is a remarkable group of students, with most of them attending Preston Crest since birth, who have grown into faithful, servant-minded young adults who will do great things in our society and for the cause of Christ for many years to come. I would like to invite the graduating seniors to come forward and line up in front of me. As a reminder of their lifelong connection with their God in this church, they will each be presented a Bible as a gift from this congregation. Now I would like to read the blessing of, this blessing of encouragement, comfort, direction, and peace from Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So let's introduce the class of 2022. As I call your name, please step forward. We'd also ask their parents and grandparents, if present, to stand wherever you are and be recognized as well. Jake Allsbrook. Jake is the son of Stephanie Allsbrook. He is graduating from Hebron High School. His plan for the fall is to attend Tarleton State University. Ashlyn Elizabeth Buchanan. Ashlyn is the daughter of Michael and Wendy Buchanan. She is graduating from the classes at Town North, and her plan for the fall is to attend Harding University. Zach Gage. Zach is the son of Brian Gage and Kelly Gage. He is graduating from Plano West Senior High. His plan for the fall is to attend the University of Oklahoma. Caroline Harper. Caroline is the daughter of Scott and Krista Harper. She is graduating from Richardson High School, and her plan for the fall is to attend the University of Arkansas. Davis Liebel. Davis is the son of Jamie and Jennifer Liebel. He is graduating from Memorial High School, and his plan for the fall is to attend Blinn and then Texas A&M. <laughs> Had to get that in there, didn't you? Cameron Scott McMillan. Cameron is the son of Scott and Amy McMillan. He is graduating from Plano Senior High, and his plan for the fall is to attend Ole Miss. Alan John Morrison is not able to be with us, but he is the son of John and Rita Morrison, and he is graduating from Dallas Christian School, and his plan for the fall is to attend Penn State University. Zach Raspberry. Zach is the son of Chris and Tamara Raspberry and Jennifer Frazier. He is graduating from Rowlett High School, and his plan for the fall is to attend Universal Tech, uh, Technical Institute. Parker Smith. Parker is the son of Mike and Amy Smith. He is graduating from Plano East High School, and his plan for the fall is to attend Tarleton State University. Mary Ellen Stolte. 
Mary Ellen is the daughter of Robert Stolte. She is graduating from Plano Senior High, and her plan for the fall is to attend Oklahoma Christian University. Emma Frances Sutton. Emma is the daughter of Patrick and Rebecca Sutton. She is graduating from Reedy High School. Her plan for the fall is to attend the University of Arkansas. Sarah Avery Sutton. Sarah is the daughter of Patrick and Rebecca Sutton. She is graduating from Reedy High School. And her plan for the fall is to attend Harding University. Holt Ryan Wilkinson. Holt is the son of Scott and Kelly Wilkinson. He is gradu graduating from J.J. Pierce High School. And his plan for the fall is to attend Abilene Christian University. Let's give all these amazing graduates a round of applause. I would now like to ask the parents of the seniors to come forward as well as the elders as we pray a blessing over them for their future, protection and guidance as they navigate their next steps in life. Let's pray. Father God, we are so very, very thankful for this senior class, and we are thankful that you have brought them to this important milestone. We lift up Jake, Ashlyn, Zach, Caroline, Davis, Cameron, Allen, Zach, Parker, Mary Ellen, Emma, Sarah, and Holt. We are so thankful to all of those who have impacted their lives and helped build a firm foundation on which their faith has and will continue to grow. Thank you, Father, for the family members, friends, teachers, role models, and mentors that have provided love and guidance throughout their lives. We pray that you will give each senior direction, purpose, and perseverance as they enter this next chapter. We ask that you fill them with an unquenchable desire to learn your word, and may they gain wisdom from you through prayer and study, giving them discernment and clarity as they face many new decisions. May they sense the freshness of your spirit over their lives in amazing ways. We ask that you would help them to live aware in a very dark world and keep harm or evil intent far away from them and that they would find security and confidence fully in you, knowing that you are trustworthy and true. We pray that they will have boldness to stand up for what is right wherever they work, study, or socialize. Grant them success, Father, for their efforts at every turn and use them as your instruments. Let them become teachers, but know that all wisdom comes from you. Let them become lawyers, but know that you are the ultimate law. Let them become physicians, but know that it is you who heals. Let them become ministers, but know that you are the word. May they be eager to do good and not evil all of the days of their lives. Be a lamp for their feet and a light to their paths. Shine over them. Fill them with your spirit and bless them with your favor and peace. We pray all of this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. The seniors are going to be leaving many of their family members as well because we got to do this at first service. So they're, we're not asking them to stay twice. So you guys are dismissed. Church, let's all stand and let's sing. For all that you've done, I will thank you. For all that you're going to do. For all that you promise and all you are. Is all that can be through. Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you. Thank you.
may be seated as we enter into our time of communion this morning. Terry Brantley will lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. We're going to sing one more song as we uh, enter into this time. Lay church. So last weekend we went to see our daughter that is at Harding and so as we were attending church there with her they sang this song and it's how deep the father's love for us and the words really touched me. I went home and looked up the lyrics and I read over them and read over them and it just had a an effect on me for some reason. And then Tuesday, I get an email from John Scott, and I said, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. Uh, Sometimes it just works that way. So let me read the lyrics to you. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. What incredible words. 
And I just can't help think about how blessed and honored I am to receive my father's love. A love so deep he gave his one and only son for me and for all of y'all as well. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, dear Lord, and we're, thankful, we're so thankful for the Father's love and how deep it was for each and every one of us in here, dear Lord. It was so deep that he put his son on the cross for us and that his broken body was put up there. And we just, uh, as we take this bread, each and every one of us, please think about what he did for us and how deep that love, for, how deep that love was for each and every one of us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. to our Father again. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, dear Lord, and we're just so thankful for how you've blessed each and every one of us. We're thankful for your Father's deep love. We're thankful for all that you have done for us, dear Lord, and as we take this cup, help us to remember the blood that he shed on the cross for each and every one of us, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. church if you brought an offering this morning and uh, at the conclusion of our assembly this morning you can drop that offering in the offering box that's in the foyer or you can give online you can hit that box that's uh, that you find on our website however you choose to give please know that what is given does good things not just in this place but in this city and overseas so uh, thank you for however you choose to give and, and thank you for continuing to give to further the kingdom business here at Preston Crest. One of the things that goes largely unnoticed and that is our first communion. When, when people are baptized here, our elders go to work. And I love this. 
they support these families. They take them to a, a quiet room. You'll see about this, but they take them to a quiet room and they begin teaching. They start sharing. They, start share, they share in the first communion for these brand new baby Christians. That is a great thing. And, and what another thing that is, is so great, not only do our shepherds, not only are they there at the beginning, but they walk with us through our entire life journey here. We have a great group of men that serve as shepherds here in this place. Let's bow. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to give. We acknowledge and we know that you are the gift giver, the best giver of life, the giver of hope, and the giver of the perfect gift of your son, Jesus. We're thankful for that. Bless us now as we give. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. All right, well, we got a whole load of keys here going to share with us a little bit about uh, camp out. Come on, y'all. Hello, church. It is that time of year. The weather is nice. I don't know if we should. Do we stand here? I don't want to stand over here. I don't know. Um, camp out is coming up, and it is next weekend. If you've never been before, it is a lot of fun. Um, and I'll ask these guys, um, which are, I believe are re related to me, uh, what is your favorite part about the camp out? My favorite part is seeing all the friends I might not see in second service at church. Right. Mine is the bike rides. I was shocked when I asked them what it was, and none of them said s'mores, which I know is also one of the top things. Sometimes we don't get to do s'mores. No, we're doing s'mores this time. We're doing s'mores, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so we're doing s'mores. Uh, so there is still plenty of spots left. There's 15 spots left. And so we've reserved basically the whole camp out. And so it's a lot of fun. If you have young kids, one of the things that I was always worried about was that they're going to get run over by a car or something like that. Well, we've got the whole spot. And so we kind of block off a lot of the roads and there's hardly any cars going through. Lots of kids running around. The cool thing is, as you're walking around the campsite, pretty much everyone there is a Preston Crest member. So it's a lot of, it's a great way to see people. We're going to have fishing. We're going to have a kickball tournament. We're going to have all kinds of stuff like that. I know these guys didn't even know that, but it's going to be a fun time. So sign up online. The link is on the website. It's also in the bulletin. So thank you all. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. I might ought to show up there and show you what a fat man can do on a kickball field. I will own that kickball field. <laughs> All right, let's stand. We're going to sing kids on up to children's church. I might go up there with them. I don't know. We're going to sing one more song, and Gordon's going to come up here and get us back on track. Let's sing. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout Good morning. Those Keys kids are powerful. I mean, I'm like, wow, I, kickball. Sounds fun. I heard there's going to be trophies. I heard there's also going to be a cornhole tournament, which that sounds kind of fun too. So 
A lot of fun. And s'mores. They almost messed that up, didn't they? Like, I hate it when we don't have s'mores. And then you're like, no, we got s'mores. We got s'mores. It'll be a lot of fun. So baseball season has started. Don't know if you knew that. Uh, whether you're a big fan or not, it's underway. We had our big opening day. I know a lot of you guys care because I've seen you post stuff, uh, pictures of you guys at Globe Life Field on opening day or, or just going out to a game. It's a lot of fun. Baseball is one of those sports. It's kind of every sport is different, but that one is unique in that it is a sport based on numbers, maybe more than any other sport. Uh, predictability, uh, precision. Uh, it's a sport where you can be largely unsuccessful and be a Hall of Famer. I mean, you can, you can fail to get on base two-thirds of the time, and if you get on base a third of the time, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so it's that sport. It's also a sport where, let's say, you are a 220 hitter for five years, and all of a sudden you become a 320 hitter, something's up. Like we need to do a drug test or something. That doesn't happen. The numbers, the predictability are very much a part of baseball. Uh, pitchers fascinate me, always have. How hard they throw, how they apply spin to the ball to make it do all sorts of crazy things. You know, a curveball to the outside corner of the plate or a sinker that goes in on a, on a hitter. But there is one part of baseball that is very, very unpredictable. And it is not common, but every once in a while you run across a pitcher who is a knuckleball pitcher. They hold the ball just under the finger, on the knuckles. And they throw that pitch in such a way that it does not spin. The effect of this is remarkable. A pitch that does not spin is... Very difficult to control, really in many ways uh, impossible to control. The pitcher nor the catcher know exactly where that pitch is going to end up. It bobs, it weaves, it does all sorts of, of crazy things. Charles Kuralt did a, uh, a CBS uh, news story on the knuckleball and he called it the pitch that perplexes. One of our own legendary Texas Rangers, Charlie Huff, had this to say. He was a knuckleball thrower. Uh, he said uh, of the knuckleball, his special pitch, he said, the wind currents make the ball bob around like a wiffle ball, and it might break two or three. So just move two or three different times on its way to the plate. And then my favorite knuckleball quote comes from a legendary coach, uh, MLBer Joe Torrey, who says this about the knuckleball. He said, when it comes to knuckleballs, catchers need to use a big glove and a pair of rosary beads, right? So hold a giant glove. And they actually do, catchers with knuckleball pitchers use larger gloves and kind of say probably a little prayer when that ball's on the way to the plate. Uh, so it's a little bit interesting and difficult and dangerous. And I think we've all heard that expression before, life threw me a curveball. I think a better expression would be life threw me a knuckleball. Even more dangerous, even more unpredictable. And the good news for us as followers of Jesus is that for all seasons of life, even when you get thrown a knuckleball, we can have faith. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Having faith and in fact, being able to come to Jesus and say, hey, I need more faith. I need you to help me with my unbelief in this season of life. Um, I bet you've been dealt some knuckleballs, even this last week. I had a few, nothing too major. I mean, it started a week ago on Sunday when uh, I dropped my tablet, my Microsoft Surface, hit it right on the corner, shattered the screen. Thus, we're using paper today. 
Monday, I rear-ended somebody in, the, in traffic. It wasn't anything big. There wasn't any visible damage or anything, but that wasn't enjoyable, getting out and trading insurance and all that stuff. I remember Tuesday, not such a big deal, but it happens all the time. I was in the kitchen unloading the dishwasher, and I hope someone can identify with this. No, I wasn't unloading. I'm sorry. I was loading the dishwasher, putting dishes from the sink into the dishwasher. Isla comes in the kitchen and said, you're not putting dirty dishes into the dishwasher. Those dishes are clean. Have you done that? I do that all the time. She said, look for the little light. If the light's on, the dishes are clean. I've done it 50 times. I'll do it 50 more times probably. Uh, But you know, honestly, those weren't big knuckleballs. This was a pretty good week. Now yesterday, uh, I was at a funeral service in Oak Cliff. One of our members, Linda Harrison, lost her daughter. And Letha, her daughter, was only 51 years old. Now, that's a knuckleball. A trip to the ER or a scary diagnosis or losing your job. I mean, there's serious stuff that we all have to deal with from time to time. It is unpredicted stuff. It is unplanned stuff, usually stuff we did not put on our calendar. Today, I'm going to get this diagnosis. Next week, I'm going to lose my job. We, did, we don't plan on that stuff. More than being unpredictable and unplanned, it is unwanted stuff. And we all have to deal with it. And this side of heaven, uh, despite our best efforts, not everything will go according to plan. Not everything is going to turn out the way we would like for it to turn out. Paul wrote his friends in Ephesus these words. Ephesians six sixteen. he said, In all circumstances, how many circumstances? All of them. <laughs> in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the knuckleballs of the enemy, all the flaming darts of the evil one. Right? He doesn't say, you're not going to face flaming darts. He doesn't say, good news, you're a believer, problem-free life. He does not say that. What he says is, take up the shield of faith and you're going to be okay. That's his counsel. So faith does not stop the unpredictable from happening. In fact, if the unpredictable never happened, we wouldn't need faith. It doesn't stop it from happening. It doesn't stop unwanted circumstances from popping up in our lives, but it protects us and our faith reminds us that He is here. That Jesus is with us. Um, Good news. If you need more faith, you can ask for it. If you need more faith, you can put that in your prayer. And God loves to answer that prayer. You know, we preachers, we like to make things more complicated sometimes. You know, here's 10 steps to this. Or here's five tips to, in this case, ask for it. You need more faith, ask for it. It's that simple. So two quick examples from the Bible One example just involves the 12. These are the disciples or the apostles. It is this inner circle of Jesus. These are the people he has handpicked for his three-year internship program. These 12 students, these learners, will be part of his moving classroom during his ministry. They're going to hear him teach. They're going to see him heal. They're going to watch him walk on water. They're going to see all kinds of incredible things from Jesus, these 12. And they struggled with their faith. You think you struggle with faith? These guys who saw Jesus in action, they also struggled with faith. They saw, because they were up close to Jesus, what mattered to Jesus. They saw how Jesus loved people. Love, love, very important to Jesus, especially the downcast, the marginalized, the outsiders. They saw how Jesus valued forgiveness. He restored people. He told them their sins are forgiven. And by the way, we need a lot of forgiveness, don't we? Because we don't have the option 
in life. We don't have the option of having a relationship with a sinless individual. Your spouse, a sinner. Your BFF, a sinner. Your neighbors, sinners. Your boss, a sinner. You, when you look in the mirror, you're looking at a sinner. We're all damaged by sin. We all commit iniquity. And so, if there's going to be a real relationship, a long-haul relationship, there has to be forgiveness. And so, Jesus models that for his twelve He also modeled faith. He talked about it a lot. He demonstrated the power of faith. At one point, he runs into a Roman centurion who believed in a unique way that Jesus could heal at long distance. Now, you don't need to come and physically see my servant. Just say the word. And Jesus marveled. At this outsider, this Roman soldier's faith said, I haven't seen faith like this in Israel. This is incredible. His disciples were stunned by that. In Luke 7, a sinful woman, Jesus said, Go, your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. In the next chapter... Jesus does this amazing thing. So he and the 12, they're on this boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. There's this major storm that begins to rage. And that boat is being tossed around. It's filling up with water. Jesus was asleep, interestingly. They're all panicking. So the storm is scary. But what's really scary is when they wake Jesus up and he says, Shh, be quiet to the storm. And immediately, it was totally calm. And his disciples were afraid of him. And he says to his disciples, Where is your faith? Luke 8, 25. Guys, where's your faith? Check out who's in the boat with you. I'm here. We're good, you know? And so they start tracking with this big idea of Jesus that a life that honors God involves this dimension, faith in any circumstance, in any situation. And I'm so glad that we get to see that these men who spent so much time with Jesus, that they struggled with faith. By the way, this forgiveness thing, I'll go back to that because at one point Jesus is talking to them about forgiveness and everything and he tells them, hey, if, if, if someone sins against you and you go to them and say, hey man, what's up with this? <laughs> and they acknowledge it and, they, and, and you, you forgive them. You forgive them. Now that makes sense. I think that is completely reasonable. The knuckleball that Jesus throws to his disciples then, he says, if they sin against you, and then they wrong you, and then they wrong you, and then seven times in one day, and they come to you and acknowledge it, you must forgive them. Luke 17, he says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you, boom, 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 seven times in a day, turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And the apostles, I love this response. Their response to Jesus was, increase our faith. I'm like, yeah, they sin, they acknowledge, I forgive. Yeah, but seven times in 24 hours? I'm going to need some more faith to do that. Luke 17, 6, he tells them, if you had faith, if you had faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this tree, this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now there is good news embedded in that tiny little story Jesus told there. The first good news is we can ask for faith and we can receive more faith. The other good news is that a little bit of faith goes a long way. 
If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, even if you have a little bit of faith and you apply it in a situation, I will move, I will make things happen. That's good news to me. Even people of little faith, he told them, ye of little faith, his disciples. Even ye of little faith, little faith can do a lot. When I was in Brazil, at one point, I was kind of discouraged. The work was going slow. I mean, we'd arrived in one of the world's largest cities, zero people in our church, and we're supposed to plant this big church. And I mean, it's just overwhelming. And one of the first guys that I, that I led to Christ, he came to me to one day with this little plastic vial. And in this little plastic vial, there were mustard seeds. He said, I was walking by an Arab market downtown, and I bought this for you. I thought you needed to be reminded, just have this much faith. And God can do something amazing. I still look at that sometimes when I'm praying about something particularly difficult. We're doing 40 days of prayer right now here at Preston Crest. We're praying about God's vision for this church. There's no like agenda that the elders already have worked out that we're going to unveil at the end of 40 days. No, they're asking us to pray because we want God to reveal to us what are his plans. We're not interested in what can we do if we put our heads together and our money together with our resources. We want to know what is the thing that only God can do. And that's going to take faith. And so we're asking for faith. And we're asking for God to show us, Lord, what, what do you want for us, from us? What are your plans for us? Well, there's other story. Mark chapter 9. This one, oh, you talk about a knuckleball. The way us parents feel about our kids when something doesn't go right and something really hadn't gone right. A father comes to Jesus, and his little boy is possessed by a demon. And this situation has devastated the life of his child. He cannot speak. He goes into these convulsions on a regular basis. Worst of all, this demonic spirit tries to kill the boy, tries to throw him into a fire, tries to throw him in and drown him in water. This is going on 24-7. Imagine the level of stress as every day is just knuckleballs sailing by. What's going to happen today? And so he comes to Jesus. Why would he come to Jesus? Obviously, he's heard that miracles surround this guy. He's healed all manner of disease. He's been casting out demons. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, Master, if you can help, please help. And Jesus says, if? <laughs> if? Anything's possible if you believe. And the father comes back, and I love this response. Mark 9, 24, he says, Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. Maybe that's a prayer you need to start praying. I believe, kind of. Can you help me, though? I need more belief. I'm struggling with some unbelief. Help me with that, Lord. I love the honesty of that prayer. The vulnerability, it's so beautiful, just being honest to God and saying, I believe most days, but I need your help. And so Jesus, obviously, he makes the boy whole, gives that family their lives back. We don't always get the answer that we want. You know that. We don't always get what we want when we come to God because God is God. His wisdom is so much greater than our wisdom. We do have peace of knowing that he is at work. No matter what fiery darts are flying around, he is at work in the situation. And we have the peace of knowing he's near. He's with us. And I think about knuckleballs flying around and how we see a, a set of circumstances and God sees it very differently. Think about the cross. We celebrated Easter a week ago and before that, Holy Week, Passion Week. Think about the cross. Any objective eyes, any news reporter there reporting on the story of the cross would have said, this is one of the most horrific things I've ever seen. Innocent man tortured and murdered publicly. But we know 
God had plans for that horror story. And to this day, we and Christians around the world celebrate the cross, praise Jesus because of the cross, and find hope of our redemption in that horrible moment. God does incredible work in all sorts of circumstances, not to mention there was a a resurrection three days afterward. But what I want to talk about real quickly with you guys is, so what do we do? We pray this prayer. Are there some things we can do, some simple things that we can do as we pray this prayer and we seek more faith in the Lord? And yes, there is. One of them is to feed your faith. Faith grows when faith is fed. And we nourish our faith through regular time in the Word. You know, Bible study, meditation. We, 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 we nourish our faith as we pray. We nourish our faith when we are surrounded by believers. It is so important to be together with God's people. Faith grows. The, the flames are fanned when we are together. Um, and so, look. It doesn't mean that we get everything that we want. It doesn't mean that uh, the world according to us is going to materialize in front of us. We leave outcomes to God. That's part of faith, of having faith is, I trust you, Lord. Help me work in this situation. I feed my faith to grow it. I also have to exercise my faith. I got to work out that faith, you know, so that I can see it grow. Faith is exercised when despite my setbacks, despite my limitations, despite my doubts, I step out and I serve in the name of Jesus. I love people around me and bless them. And when I'm in a time of struggle and I move toward the Lord instead of away from the Lord, my faith grows as well. I mean, we know what happens when a muscle is stressed and exercised, worked out. That muscle grows. On the other hand, we know what happens when that muscle is not stressed and not worked. It atrophies and becomes weak. And faith is like that. When it's stressed and worked out, When it's put in play, it grows. It strengthens. And no doubt, right now, some of us are dealing with some pretty significant knuckleballs in our lives. Some of it is unplanned. All of it is unwanted. Stuff that you are having to deal with that you would rather not. And I would say, Jesus is with you. Lo, I am with you. (laughs) Till the very end of the age, he is with you. And maybe you feel his presence today. Maybe you don't. Remember those disciples and how they struggled with their faith. So feed your faith, exercise your faith, and ask for more. I was talking a while back to a good friend of mine, preacher, older preacher. He's retired now, Denny. Denny preached at my parents' church for five or six years, and then went off and did lawyer stuff for a while, and then they brought him back. They said, we need you back. And so he preached for another 20 or so years there. Denny's a great guy, finally retired. But Denny and his wife, Carol, they built this house just outside of my hometown in southwest Missouri. It was kind of their dream house. We're going to retire at this house. They, you know, exactly the way they wanted it. Uh, One of the things, by the way, southwest Missouri, you either have a basement or you have some sort of tornado shelter. We're in the middle of Tornado Alley. So they had a neighbor who built these bunkers, these tornado bunkers. And so they paid him to come in and in their garage build this concrete bunker where they could seek shelter when the tornado sirens went off, okay? So there they were in their brand new house, brand new garage, brand new tornado shelter inside the garage, and you guessed it, the sirens started going off. Fast forward. A couple hours later, The neighbor called Denny and said, hey, there was a tornado that ran through here. 
just calling to check on you guys. And Denny said, you know, thank you for calling. We're fine. By the way, could you come over and dig us out? They were inside the tornado shelter, couldn't open the door because the house had collapsed on top of it due to the tornado. They were just happy to be alive. Jesus is our shelter in a time of storm. Now, let me ask you something. <laughs> Rhetorical question here. Is the right time to build the shelter that moment you absolutely need it? The siren is going off. I got to build a shelter. There you go. Uh, yeah, could you build me a shelter in the next 45 seconds because the tornado siren is going off? Is that the time to build the shelter? Nah. You build it anticipating life's going to throw you a curveball. At some point, those sirens are going to go off and you're going to need to seek it. And I would tell you this morning... The time to work on your faith, the time to build your faith, the time to, to join a church family, the time to exercise your faith, serve in a ministry, put yourself out there. That time is now. That time is today. Don't wait until the sirens are going off. Build your house, Matthew 7, on the rock. This morning, it may be that you need the prayers of this church. I'll be down here, one of our shepherds. We'd love to pray with you and just ask that request of God, increase our faith. In fact, let's pray that right now. If you would just say that with me, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. Amen, Jesus. Maybe you need to get together with someone and pray about some of the specifics the knuckleballs that you're facing or a friend of yours or loved one is facing, maybe you just need to cross the line of faith today and take that first step of building that refuge, that fortress of faith where you're going to trust in the name of Jesus. You're going to believe that he went to the cross for you so that your sins could be forgiven. He was raised on the third day so that you could have this amazing hope. And you're going to reenact that death burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Reenact that by being baptized, immersed, buried in the name of Jesus and raised up to a new life. However you need to respond, let's do that as we stand together and worship. Over all the earth, you reign on high. Every mountain street, every sunset sky. But my one request, Lord, my
that everybody was, chose to be with us this morning, uh, encouraging and supporting our graduating class of 2022, as well as being challenged to increase our faith in all that we do. So we're just so thankful that you're all here, especially those visiting. Let's close with our take-home verse. It comes from 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, if you'll read along with me. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And the church said, 